Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This is part 12 of our series, Take It Back, with a message entitled, Take Back Your Belonging, with Pastor Bob Bidwell. I'd like to talk to you this morning um, about taking back your belonging. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about, you know, some of those, like, all the people said amen. That's a group. All the people. You guys are all the people. We're all the people. And I was thinking about some of those words, you know, like words, nouns, collective nouns, I guess they're called, about, uh, you know, belonging. Uh, like a neighborhood association. Anybody ever belong to one of those? Um, or a class of seniors, grade 12. Or a class of seniors. <laughs> Uh, a group of children or uh, a team. How many? I really like that word team. Really like it. And then there's uh, some other things like this. Tomorrow's the 21st, right? First day of spring. I heard somebody said to me this morning that the geese are back. Anybody see them, hear them? That, that means spring's back, right? So you have what? You have a flock of geese. You also have a gaggle of geese. Ever heard that one? That, that is. Or how about this one? A skein, a skein of geese. That's only referred to geese when they're flying in a V, right? That's a skein of geese, apparently. And then, uh, well, how about the eagles? The eagles, interesting one. Is it a flock of eagles? It's not a flock of eagles. Anybody know what it is? It's a convocation of eagles. And I get this picture of people with, people with like grad hats on or eagles with grad hats on and little glasses and you know, all, all the whole thing. But anyway, that's me. Um, but that's groups, right? Groups of people, groups of birds or whatever it is. But I want to talk to you about the group that is called the church. Uh, the church is not a building. It's a group of people belonging. It can sometimes be called God's temple, God's field, God, uh, the bride of Christ, the members of one another, fellow citizens, family, and a body. You saw the video earlier, talked about the body of Christ. It says in Romans 12:5, in the same way, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body, and individuals who are connected to each other. Um, he is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Well, just before Jesus went uh, with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was uh, taken away, betrayed, taken away, and went to the cross, he said something very interesting. It's, he said this, I am praying not only for these disciples, he's actually praying this, but also for all of you who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they may be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This idea that they will all be one is just not a nice idea. Jesus prayed it, and he cheers us on and asks us to be that, 
that we may all be one and prays for that and had prayed for that with the disciples. And as I talk to you this morning, I'm going to talk about how that carried out in the early church. And may they be in us so that they would believe. And many would believe. That's what belonging together is all about, believing together. Um, the, The scripture says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become the children of God. That's a group. That's part of a family, right? His children belonging together to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When you become a believer in Christ, you receive Christ as your Savior. Through faith, and through faith you do that, and you immediately become part of his body. You know, we're all individuals. Christ uh, makes us one body. He makes us connected, as we've been reading here this morning. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. You as a believer, you as a believer already belong to his body. It's not a matter of, you know, trying to find it. You already belong. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you already belong. And you belong because Jesus brought you in by his work on the cross. It says in this scripture I just read to you, born not... uh, Born not of blood, not your blood, not the blood of your relatives, not because your parents came to a church or went to a church, not because uh, your great-grandfather built a church somewhere, not because of blood, not because of that, but because of Jesus Christ, not by the will of man, not by uh, somebody saying, well, you are now part of the body of Christ, You cannot become a member of Christ's body by your own will, your own power, but God gave the provision through his son. And it's on that truth that you must stand. And if you've trusted Christ and received him as your savior, you stand on that. You say, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm a really great Christian. I'm not living up to what I'm belonging. I had a terrible week. Things are kind of going rough for me right now. And I'm just not feeling it. Remember, you belong to him. It's not about how you feel. You were purchased with a price. And this is the answer to why you belong. Belong before anything else. When Jesus I mean, you invited Jesus into your heart. So I want to talk to you about that, about belonging, about the, the, the title is to take back your belonging. And this is the 12th message in this series. 12 weeks, 12 weeks ago, we were in the very, very throes of winter and we loved it, right? Take the seasons as they come. Let's have winter and winter, spring and spring, summer and summer, and fall and fall. But I'm going to talk to you out of the book of Acts 2, 44 and 47, to 47. Um, and what's happening here is uh, Jesus had ascended uh, to the Father, told the uh, disciples to go back. They were on Mount Olivet. 
and instructed them to go back and the the apostles and 120 to go back to the city and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I will, he said, I will send him not many days from now. It was actually 50 days. Pastor Nelson talked about that. 50 days, Pentecost uh, is 50 days after Easter. So 120 are there. They're in in, in a room Hopefully a large room. It was a large room, large enough for 120. And the Holy Spirit comes, and the church is born. And they go out into the, into the uh, streets of the city, and there's just such a thing going on. The church is born, and Peter preaches to 3,000, and uh, to more than 3,000, but 3,000 are saved become Christians that day, and the church begins. The first expression of God's, of Jesus' body, Christ's body, Christ being the head, the church being his body, is there. 3,000, well, actually, 3,120, right? And many more to come. We call this, in this book, the Acts of the Apostles. But really, the birth of the church, it should be called the acts of the Holy Spirit. The apostles were just there, not just there, but they were a channel for the working of the Holy Spirit. The promise that Jesus said said he would give, the comforter, the one who would give them power. And so I want to talk to you, that I said, about what it means to belong to the church to a church, to a body, to the body of Christ, actually to a local church. This is the first picture of a local church on the planet ever. Is this, these verses, Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. It's a starting point. And it's so much more. And you know, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches in this world that are expressions of Christ's body in local locations. And I want to talk to you about taking back your belonging, deepening your belonging, and focusing on what belonging in the local church means. And I'm going to give you four statements. And the first one is found in Uh, Acts 2.42. Let me read that scripture for you. They spent their time learning from the apostles and they were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. I want you to notice a few key things in in these verses. First of all, uh, well, there's kind of four key things. The first one is learning from the apostles. Can you imagine learning right there from the apostles? These guys that had walked with Jesus, here, and here they had 3,120 people, you know, and the disciples, they, they had been the disciples, and now the disciples had disciples. They were the guys that were the head of the church on earth. Remember the prayer that we said earlier that Jesus was praying with them? Said, whoever believe in me and, and, and the, the ones who ever believe in me and, and my message and your message, I'm praying this for them. 
It says in, uh, in the scriptures, Ephesians 1, 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Isn't that an interesting scripture? Because it gives him great pleasure to adopt you into his family, and it gives uh, him great pleasure to have you belonging, belonging in a local church. This whole idea of uh, being together, this belonging, means bonded, bonded, connected, It talks about maturity, and that's what the apostles were teaching these young believers, bringing them to maturity. Not that they were, uh, it's actually maturing because we never come to full maturity until we come before Christ, but we mature in him. It talks about security, security in the truth. The apostles teaching with the teaching that they received. They didn't just write it on their own. They received it from Jesus Christ as he taught them and as the Holy Spirit came upon them. What they had learned from the master as disciples, it says they spent their time learning from the apostles. And they were like a family to each other. Now, Here's your first point. If you're writing, taking notes, I don't know if any, maybe you're doing it on your phone. I don't know. It says, here it is, take back belonging through family living. Now, the family is in here, this whole, but this whole thing is talking about family living. You have the apostles who are heading up this, this work of this church. Then you have them, the, the people connecting together as a family And uh, you have this great thing going on. The body of Christ here on the earth, meeting, gathering together. And here's what, uh, it's kind of interesting as you go over and you read through some of the letters of Paul. He saw the same thing in the churches that he started amongst the believers. He said, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first first of all to the Lord and by the will of God, and then by the will of God to us. See the pattern? To the Lord and to the local church. Paul the apostle, the early church, the early church, uh, uh, one of the apostles, um, he preached the gospel in Corinth, and this is what happened. He started the church there. Notice something else in Acts 2.42. It's very interesting They said they spent time learning from the apostles. They were like family to each other. They broke bread. Now, that's an interesting thing. What does that mean? It means, well, it means basically this. They had a meal. But do you know that in their ancient culture, a meal was a very important thing? A meal was so important because a meal meant uh, intimacy together. But if you invited somebody into your house and you had a meal with them, and let's say you invited somebody into your house that was your enemy, you still had this responsibility, and that responsibility was this, to, like, nobody could come through and over your threshold and, and harm that person or kill that person. You know, they were protected in your house. Breaking bread together meant so much more than just, you know, let's have a sandwich, right? Um, 
It was so much more to it. And also, they probably had the Lord's Supper, the communion, along with it because they did that all the time. And uh, so they broke bread. They had meals together. And they prayed together. This is what, what I call family living, belonging to family living. I'm not talking, I mean, bring your family to church. I'm not talk, saying that, you know, your family, it's, the different, it's not a different family. But this is family living, all of these things, and prayer together. The other word for, uh, for family can be in some translations, it's fellowship. Don't use that word right here, right now, because fellowship, sometimes, you know, I've been pastored a number of churches, and it was like a pot, you know what a potluck is? Anybody know what a potluck is? A few people, it's like a dinner. You bring your dinner from home and you share it in the basement of a church, right? I did well, hundreds of those things, man. And, you know, and people got to say, well, that's fellowship. Well, no, fellowship is not just a potluck dinner. It's, it's breaking bread. It's this whole thing of belonging to one another and uh, caring for one another and protecting one another and helping one another in the Lord's church. Belonging in prayer. See, it says, as they met in the temple, we'll talk about that a little later, in the large meetings, they started having their large meetings at the temple, in their houses, it was woven into the very fabric of the church prayer, personal prayer, prayers with their families at home, this idea of total dependence on the Lord. We talk to you, Lord. We come to you, Lord, and we pray. Uh, true prayer is a way of life, not just for cases of emergency. Make it a habit, and when the, ha when the need arises, you will be in practice. As Billy Graham said that. It's one of his quotes. It says, continually devoted in some uh, some uh, verses, uh, some, sorry, some versions, continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship or doing this family, being like a family, breaking bread and prayer. But I want you to notice one more thing before we leave this passage. I want you to notice this. In this, these, this verse, it's what I call the bookends. You know what bookends are for? They stand books up on your shelf, right? They provide a foundation like so books don't fall over on your shelf. Don't they look? I'm, I'm just a bit perfectionist, I guess. They don't look that good. I like my books. Come to my office. You can see my books. They're, it's, it's not a pride thing. It's just perfectionism. But the bookends. Look at the bookends here. The bookends are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching at one end and to prayer at the other, and then look what's in between. That's so important. Apostles' teaching centered on the good news of Jesus Christ, which Nelson, Pastor Nelson has been talking to us much, much uh, along the way here in this series. So what does it mean to belong? It means to belong through fellowship, through family uh, living, I call it, through this devotion. Number two, we're going to jump down to verses 46 and 47 on uh, Acts 2. It says, every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. 
They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added, and the Lord added daily to the uh, to the community those who were being those who were being saved. You know, I remember one time. Now, this is a number of years ago when I was a young Christian. Um, I used to think about this this passage. You know, studied it in college and stuff like that. I used to think about the early church. And I used to think, well, isn't this a nice, small, quaint beginning they're having here? You know, it's kind of, you know, I came out of the kind of the hippie era. That's when I was uh, raised in that. I kind of got thinking about, oh, the, you know, the whole commune thing and, you know, very, you know, some of you might not relate to that, but so that's what I thought about it. But, you know, this was no quaint meeting. This was an explosion. This was God's church, his fellowship, his body, finding itself here on earth as a people gathered together. See, here's the thing. There had been many people in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days Shavuot, it's called, in, in, the, in the Jews call it that. Uh, and it says, the historians say, well, the population of Jerusalem would have swelled to over 100,000 people at this time. So from sunset on June 4th till sunset on June 6th, the Jewish tradition says that's how long it lasted, there is a lot of extra people in, in the town, in the city. Um, I, a number of thousand. Jerusalem was still somewhere between 55,000 and 75,000, they say, 80,000, upwards of that. So they met together every day in the temple, it says. But um, so can you imagine? Here's the temple guards, the Jewish temple guards. They're talking, and the one says, Hey, Benjamin. I thought the feast ended last night. What is this this morning? These people are here again. And it goes on and it goes on. 3,000 people at, you know, gathering in the temple courts every day. And they ate in their homes and they shared food and gl with gladness and simplicity. They praised God. What about the, think about the Romans had a very presence here, but you know, the Romans didn't bother people if it was a peaceful thing, a peaceful gathering. They didn't bother. If they were going to have an insurrection, then they would come down hard on you, and they would come down very hard on you. But it says here, they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And, you know, I want you to understand that this wasn't their duty. They didn't show up. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my mark on the wall down there at the temple, and that'll be, this is my, you know, I've done my duty for today. And this whole thing is not necessarily, in here about the church, is not a model to copy. We have to do this, this, and this. What it was, and here's your blank, worshipful living. Belonging, take back belonging through worshipful living. Celebration. Praising God for his goodness, his, his presence in their lives. We, that's what we do. And in our gatherings, and you know, that was awesome this morning, wasn't it? Again? I mean, let all the people say amen. That's awesome. And, they, and the, the band does really well here. So it's celebration. 
uh, in our gatherings, in their gatherings. It's inspiration. They uh, got fresh strength and good times in good times and in bad times. We come here and we get inspiration in good times and in the bad times of our lives as we gather together. And it's preparation. We get built up and gain strength as we think about him, as we connect together, as we're with one another. But here's what is at really the very core of worshipful living. It's surrender. Surrender. Surrender, then serve. They served one another. They connected to one another. Here's what Rick Warren says the, about, about worship. The heart of the matter it is the matter of the heart. That's what worshipful living is. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. So where is your heart? Because Jesus says you belong to me. You're part of my body. Christian, it's settled. It's absolutely settled. So surrender. Stop fighting with me. And this is what he says to us in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. It is such a wonderful scripture. It says, come to me, all you who are weighed down with the heavy burdens of life, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because... I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. Because why is the burden light? The burden is light because Jesus carries it with us. It's kind of like if you helped one of your little children or your grandchildren. And you know, I know my one granddaughter used to get Nana's purse. And Nana's purse is not one of these little things. (laughs) Nana's purse, sometimes it just seems like it's a bottomless pit. (laughs) You know, yeah, can you get that out of your purse for me? Right? But she used to try to pick this purse up. I mean, she was really young, and she would she do it. And she, I mean, you know, you wanted to help her because it's a heavy load for her. And sometimes we're picking up heavy loads, and we're saying, "I can do this. I can do this. Just, you know, I I don't need you, Lord. I can do this. Thy burden I give you is light. Maybe you have a burden this morning, this morning, and it's weighed you down." Maybe out there uh, watching us, or watching me, I guess they're not watching all of us, but watching me on the screen there this morning, taking part in our service. Maybe you have a heavy burden, and it's weighed you down. It's weighed you down this week. It's weighed you down this month. It's weighed you down for the last three months, whatever it is. It's a sickness in your family. It's, it's uh, you know, a, a child gone wrong, it's a health problem, whatever it is, my yoke is easy to bear, he says. The burden is light. That's not excusing it. That's saying, Jesus, I give it to you. 
I surrender it to you. Remember, Christian, you were bought with a price and you belong to him. And, and, and Pastor Nelson has been teaching this for weeks, talking to us about us being gospel-centered. Jesus came to save sinners. We're, we're, we're Christians, but we still sin. We still fall apart sometimes. And he wants you to say, surrender. I surrender. Surrender of the heart. Living in humility. Worshipful living in the local body of Christ. Now, we'll go on. Continue to focus on what it means to belong. Number three. All the believers were united and shared everything. We're going up now to verses 44 and 45. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Take back belonging through sacrificial living. That's the next blank. Sacrifice. Pastor Nelson talked about this a few weeks ago. Cost. Sacrifice. Serve. Cost. Jesus said when he was here to, and his disciples were there, they heard this many times, but they heard it, heard it in different ways. Jesus said the Son of Man, which was himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served. A lot of kings come, or are kings, to be served. They've set up their kingdom to be served. Jesus said, I come not to be served, but to serve. You know, the night he was betrayed, this is before, of course, Gethsemane, it was Gethsemane, it was before Gethsemane, before the cross. Uh, Jesus and his followers were having supper. They were sitting down, they were eating. And he got up. Jesus gets up and he pours some water into a basin and he takes a towel and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. You know the story. John 13. And he comes to Peter. Master, you're going to wash my feet? You know, just very typical of how Peter was. Uh, no way, you're not going to wash my feet, Master. Jesus says, what I'm doing you'll understand later. Peter, I'm going to wash your feet or you will not belong to me. What Jesus was doing here was having the, uh, the disciples participate in his humbling of himself. Why was he doing that? So that they might serve, so they might sacrifice, so they might be humble, they might learn this and teach it and uh, example it to others. And Jesus says... So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. Understand, I'm telling you, and act upon it giving you an example. 
that you should wash others' feet. What a thing to have the master wash your feet. What a sacrifice he made. What a cost. An old gentleman, now gone to be as the Lord, uh, a writer, a very good writer back in the 60s, 70s, had a lot of interesting quotes, and he said this, salvation is free, but it isn't cheap. The gift of God, eternal life, cost God his son, it cost Jesus his life, but it's free. And when we become believers, we trust Jesus and we follow him. You know what? When I, you know the old story about in the Bible about Jesus calling his disciples. It says they left their nets. They just they walked away from them. And they followed and they trusted him. We're going to follow him. They trusted him. They left their nets. The disciples did. <coughs> well, what was in those nets? Well, hopefully fish. They go out every evening and fish till dawn. And uh, hopefully they have fish. Most of the time they did. Because they were great fishermen. Yeah, so they left the fish. They left that whole commerce thing of the fish. But they also left something else. They left their reputation on the lake as being, and they left their heritage, their ancestry. They, they, they left it there. They left the family business. They left it there. And, and they also left their pride and they left their ego and they left us all thinking about being the greatest fishermen on the lake and the competitiveness. Like some of that competitive, competitiveness shows up as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's still there. Jesus still has to deal with them and settle them down. They left the me first to belong to Jesus and to be his disciples. What the early church did is uh, they were very generous. They left, they claimed nothing as their own. All the believers were united and shared everything. I guess that's the idea why back in the, in the 70s when I became a Christian, you know, just in the kind of the hippie era there, I thought, well, that, yeah, that's communal living, right? And that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about sharing everything, giving up, surrendering, sacrificially living your life. That, that may happen in this uh, generation, but it's really... It's explaining what we do. Sacrifice and service. The laying down of rights. Surrender. Sacrifice. Service. You know, Jesus said, you're going to become fishers of men. Not going to fool around these nets any longer, but you know what? You're going to have some challenges when you get fish that are called men and women in those, net, in those nets you got now. but you're going to enjoy a great fellowship connected with them. Take back the belonging through sacrificial living. Then, number four. Take back belonging through sharing your life message with others. Talks about this to the early church, just when the church uh, is being, the, the church comes to this earth, the Holy Spirit comes, and the church begins, it says, 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The whole area there. So here's a, here's a famous quote from Pastor Nelson. You've heard it many times. It struck me uh, again. For God's work to happen, it has to start in heaven, and it did. The early church, the idea, was not something that they just kind of came up with one Sunday morning. It was God's idea from the very beginning. And it started in heaven. See, be a witness for Jesus because your story belongs out there. Don't trap it in your own heart or share it with a few friends that you can, oh, you know, my, and I can share it with you. You'll understand me. There's many ways to share. You can talk to your friends, your coworkers. You know, you can do some things that opens doors without taking up company time, right? Um, here's one thing that we have around Easter coming up, just around the corner now, is to invite somebody for Good Friday or Easter Sunday. That's an inviting time. That's when people will come. Oh, yeah, okay, you're having church on Easter? Yeah, I, I remember that as a kid. I'll, I'll come to your church. I'll come with you. You'll go with me? Yeah. Bring somebody. Sit with them. Bring your extended family. That's part of the witness. See, you don't have to share your story to prove anything to prove to yourself anything because you belong already and you don't have to share your so story uh, be, be, because you belong, but it's, for, it's actually for your own spiritual health. You actually, you do share your story because you belong, but um, it, it, you don't have to justify yourself by staring, sharing your story. You just have to look to Jesus and what he's done for you. Wouldn't you like that to happen to others. We are Christ's hands and feet in this world to bear witness of his love, his mercy, his grace. The Holy Spirit has come and Jesus has sent him to give you power. Not a, it's, he hasn't sent you for a, you know, just a good time, a great worship experience, a nice uh, feeling he came to give you power, power to serve, power to sacrifice, power to humble yourself, power to, to talk to other people and give them the hope that you have. Here's my story. I've shared it with you before, just briefly. As a young man, another young man talked to me. He's actually two years older than me. And he spoke to me about my need for Jesus. This is back in Edmonton. This is 1974, a long time ago. He talked to me about the good news. He talked to me about the gospel. 
He talked to me about how Jesus had come to save sinners. I knew about Jesus. I grew up in a church. I knew about Jesus. I knew about Easter. I knew about God. I knew these things up here, but I never connected them down here. And I had this crazy belief that, well, I'm, I'm, everybody kind of goes to heaven. I'll go to heaven because I didn't do, you know, such really bad things, you know. I was, well, I was 19, so I was a teenager. I'd sowed my wild oats, really. But I, I was basically a good guy. But the young man explained to me about my need for Jesus Christ, that all had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that I needed a savior and I needed to ask Jesus to come into my life and to receive him. See, he was a witness. And we had a good time talking about this stuff. And he became my friend, actually, before he even shared his message. He became a very close friend of mine. By the way, he was an excellent drummer. He was. Um, And he was part of Christ's body in in a local church there in Edmonton. And he took me to that church. Dedicated my life to the Lord. Got baptized there just if not long after. That's my story. Matthew says, therefore, you know, in his book, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. The age hasn't ended with. He's with you always. That is passed down to you and to me. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we're living in a time where people are paying attention. Remember Jesus' prayer before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, as you send me into the world, I am sending them into the world, God. That was his prayer over his disciples. And Peter, the one who stood up on that day of Pentecost, wrote this in his book, 1 Peter. He says this about the church about the local church, about the body of Christ in the world. You are my chosen people. You are the king's priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's own people, chosen to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. Chosen to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. There's some wonderful acts of God in your lives who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. At one time you were not God's people, but now you are God's people. At one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. And he writes again later on, he, he talks about have reverence for Christ in your hearts and honor him as Lord. Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you. Do you have hope? You do. If you're a Christian, 
You're part of the body of Christ. You have hope. You might sometimes have to kind of dig down, way down in there to get it, like Nana's purse, right? I mean, it's not readily there, maybe, because you're going through a tough time, but you have the hope of heaven. But do it with gentleness and respect. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are insulted, those who speak evil of your good conduct as followers of Christ will become ashamed of what they say. In other words, their conscience will be pricked. And it may be one of the things on their road to God. Christian, you already belong. You already belong. Christ has made that soul by his death on the cross and his resurrection, and he sent the Holy Spirit that we might have power to witness, but that we might be members in local church, people in this church, connected, people's church. What a great name for a church. Would you stand with me? Let's bow our heads in prayer. And first of all, I want to say, if you've never invited Christ into your life, now's the time. Like I did many, many years ago with that young man, you can say a a prayer today. You can say something like this, and you can pray it just in your heart, in your mind, with me. God, I realize I need you. I need to be born again. I need to confess my sins to you. Those things I've done against you, Lord, I confess them, and I ask that you forgive all of my sins, Lord Jesus. And I receive you into my life as Lord and Savior. I open that door. Come in, Lord. Today I'm turning every part of my life over to you. And I want to follow you and do what you ask me to do. I want to know my purpose and the plan for my life. Lord, I come to you now, to your family, to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you prayed that, let somebody know. If you had a card there in your bulletin, fill your name out, give it to us, and we'll, we'll, we'll help you with the journey. You're starting the journey. Now, Christian, let's pray together. You've accepted Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. You know that from the day you accepted him as Savior. But God is calling us to deepen our belonging to focus on our belonging. Lord, help us to see life through your eyes of faith. To see these things of surrender, of sacrifice, of service. Lord, you served me. You served us. You sacrificed for me. And I want to trust you and, and expect great things as I humble myself before you and I step forward 
into those great things in this local church. I am committed, Lord, to your purpose in my life and your plan for my life. Help me as I move forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. 